Use these three channels to support your SEO strategy with Laura Hogan. The In Search SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps skill your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. SEO shouldn't be a silo marketing channel, and today we're exploring three of the channels that you can use to support your SEO strategy with Laura Hogan from Sweet Digital. Laura, what does an SEO need to do to work with other channels? Be friendly. It's probably a starting <laughs> point. Uh, I think sometimes we're very much known for staying in our box, aren't we, and, and not yeah, yeah. playing well with other departments. So there's a wealth of knowledge that these other departments in the business or in the client's company have. Um, that if we get to know them, get to know their pain points, they can really feed into our strategy and, and help it develop into something completely new. Okay, maybe a better question then. Why does an SEO need to work with other channels? Gives you new ideas partially you know if you're a if you're a content writer speaking to different departments can give you really good content topics that you should be writing about that um, can help potential customers if you're doing some ads work or if you're looking at where your area of focus should be from an SEO point of view speaking with the products department and knowing which products have the highest margin can give you you know your, your tat list of which ones you should be hitting first from an SEO perspective so it just gives you that really strong business understanding to help get better results. So are, are we talking about other channels that can directly impact SEO success? Is it more a case of using other channels to gather information to improve your SEO activities? I think the latter. As an SEO, you should always be doing, um, but working on other channels as well and using information from, say, Google Ads, for instance, is, is always going to be beneficial. And Agencies should always try and work together and departments should work together, whether you're working on social, Google advertising, organic, PR, to get the best all-round results, for sure. Okay, well, we chatted briefly about this beforehand and you, you gave me a list of the, the three channels that you recommend and uh, you mentioned Google Ads there and that was your number one pick. Um, so why Google Ads and what information can an SEO actually glean from working with Google Ads? Google Ads first and foremost because... We don't get a lot of data directly from Google anymore from the organic point of view. Um, some of us remember the days pre set in analytics um, and how sad it was when that appeared. But obviously with Google Ads, they do get a lot more of that keyword information and data. So we can utilize that from an SEO standpoint to know, okay, these terms convert really strongly on Google Ads. Where do we rank for them organically? If not strong enough, let's work on it and improve them. And if we do have a really strong ranking, then brilliant, we're all working cohesively. But also on the flip of that, if we have holes from our SEO strategy and terms that we may not rank as well for at the moment, the Google Ads team can promote those through the ads so that the, you know, the business is getting the best of both worlds and actually hitting all of their products or services and through the two channels. So it's just an awful lot of information. There's the additional demographics information that we can take from Google Ads as well that we might not see organically all the time um, that's going to help with our content and our tone of voice of content as well. So it mainly keywords is the top information for using from Google Ads and converting products that are converting from Google Ads. 
but yeah, it's just allowing us to take additional data to really inform the SEO strategy. Okay, uh, you say some of us can remember the the days of uh, pre keywords um, not being available in uh, Google Analytics. I remember pre Google Analytics, but <laughs> that's that's another story. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be as uh, unkind to say you might do as well, but I'm, I'm sure you don't remember that. Uh, there, um... this guy is hidden under here somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's it all. <laughs> um, so. How do you actually take all this wonderful data out of Google AdWords? Um, do you have a process that you recommend to actually export data from your Google Ads account and um, in, entwine it together with, with data from, from other sources to, to, to make more sense of, it, sense of it for an SEO? Yeah, for sure. So there's some really cool like uh, data studio reports you can get set up that will pull out all the converting keyword data for you. And that kind of saves that part of the job. Um, that I believe there are some spreadsheets that have been set up with filters in as well that can be um, copied as templates and used to kind of export data quickly. But to be honest, I am sometimes a bit old school with things and I'll just straight export converting keywords from Google Ads and then I'll put them, I'll put those phrases into my ranking tool. Um, and that's Rank Ranger or whatever tool you use to find out where we're ranking for them organically um, and then kind of just logically work through that and go okay if it's under page one why is it that it's a really generic term that might be too top of the funnel for organic at the moment and then look at how we can attack it is it a blog piece of blog content that we need is it some re-optimization on a product page so I'm quite a fan of working through it with a human eye and quite methodically to understand which way to go but I know that there's some phenomenal like AI tools now that can be used to kind of help pull together some information on that and give you your next step. And finally, in relation to Google Ads, how much data is enough? Uh, how, how many times maybe does an ad have to appear or how much traffic do you have to get in order to actually have enough data for it to make sense to apply to SEO? I think if you're, if say it's a four, say if it's a five figure plus a month spending ad account, you may have enough data from like six to eight weeks. Um, but if it's a four figure and downwards, you're really probably looking at more like three to six months worth look back that you need to get some um, reliable data. I like to only look at things that have had, you know, at least 10 conversions, for instance, um, to, to use that as a, as a good piece of information. And the number two channel that you recommend to support your SEO strategy is product feeds and merchant center. What is that and, and how do you do that? Yeah, so within um, Google Merchant Center, which we use um, for advertising product feeds through Google Shopping. If you get a Merchant Center account set up, you can also set up enhanced free listings, which is a little bit like what the free version of Shopping used to be years ago, where you get your product feed created. You know, if that's on um, Shopify, you can just use the Google plugin for Shopify, for instance, to do that. I know with WordPress, there's numerous feed plugins that you can get that are going to create a product feed that you can put into Merchant Center. And that then just allows your product listings with price, stock availability, um, and click through direct to the product to appear in, in Google Images. So it just gives you another way that you can potentially drive some traffic. It's never going to be as high levels as if you're actually advertising through Google Shopping. Um, but it's just another way to get some brand protection in, make sure it's your product showing 
in the listings, particularly if you resell on Amazon and other sites. It just makes sure that, you know, it's, it's your link and your URL that's showing first opposed to your resellers. What's the advantage to this or what's the what's the data that is most important that you take and the reason that you're doing this? Um, is it, uh, for instance, to ensure that your page um, or your data is appearing um, as effectively as possible on the SERP? Um, yeah, nodding away there or, or something else? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So it's to make sure that you are getting as much control as possible over what appears in the image search for your brand and your products. And it will pull the product title you've got on your website. It'll pull the product description that you have. It'll pull the pricing that you put. So say if you have a product go on sale, that information will show then in the results and it will show the sale price as well as what the original price was. So it's just giving you that stronger piece of brand control and potential organic traffic coming from the image side of the results as well as the website of the results. So are, are you seeing more people use Google image search or is it more uh, the fact that um, Google for some searches may incorporate some of their image results within the standard SERP? It's a little bit of both. So for um, some of our e-com clients, we are seeing more people use image search and we're seeing their competitors also put a lot more effort into image search and owning as many images as they can across that SERP. Um, but it is the fact that you also get some pull through on, onto the web search and having that potential. You, you, you kind of want to be able to take over as many entities as possible in the SERPs now. So if you if you are e-com, you know, it, it's not going to take you very long to get the product feed set up and through Merchant Centre. It doesn't cost you anything to do it. So you might as well just take that opportunity because it may it may drive a conversion for you. Probably once in a blue moon because the traffic levels are quite low from it. Um, but it's just another thing to, to, you might as well take advantage of. Great. And number three um, of things to think about um, when looking at channels to support your SEO strategy is internal customer service. Um, so how does that work? Yeah, so nobody knows better what the pain points are for potential customers than the people that have to deal with them day in, day out, um, which is your CS or your CR teams. And particularly when we're looking at blog content and making sure that we have content that answers user queries, you know, whether that, how do I charge this? You know, what other colors are available? How do I change my lenses in these glasses? They're questions that your chatbots, your customer service teams are dealing with all the time. So we always talk to them and find out if there's any trends or themes and things that people are unsure about. We um, download off the questions that chatbots on the sites have received, and then we can pull together a content strategy from that. Because just as important as it is for us to rank for high search volume keywords that are going to drive and rank really well, actually just being able to nail simple questions that are relevant to a client. you know, for, uh, It could be we have an education client. So, for example... They get asked a lot of times, well, what qualifications do I need to do an A-level? It's a it's a really common question, and we can create content around that that then is going to help potential customers convert for them, and it's going to rank strongly. So it, it just gives you an, an additional content bank um, that, that has a twofold approach. So I love your use of, of, of um, questions from chatbots as well. And um, I, I guess probably on-site search as well, if that's um, relevant. Um, obviously, you mentioned 
chatting to customer service teams as well. Would you tend to take those questions directly and then just create content based upon that? Or would you then feed those questions into a tool that uses um, information from Google Suggest to, to, to try to hone your question based upon what is commonly asked on Google as well? Yeah, definitely a little bit of both. So if say if we're adding um, an FAQ section onto a landing page, we may just take the questions as given because we know that they're going to help with conversion on that page. But if we're looking for blog content and say um, the customer service rep just says, oh, we get asked a lot about size charts, we might then go and find out what the semantics are around that and where the searches lie to be able to, you know, it could end up then being a piece about how the size charts differ around the world or something. And it can become a larger piece then. Wonderful. Okay, well, three great sources of information for SEO strategy there. Number one, Google Ads. Number two, product feeds and Merchant Center. Number three, internal customer service. Now, let's finish off with... The Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says that you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you'd recommend that provides incredible results for moderate levels of effort? I would say improving older content fits into that because you've got the a large base of the content already written and there and nine times out of ten you're tweaking that up to be relevant to today you know relevant to the year i'm sure a lot of people went through changing 2021s to 2022s um just before christmas or you might be updating the optimization in the piece because the search intent may have changed so a good 70 80 percent's already there you just work into improve improve it and get results that way are there any tools out there that you can automatically just um if you've got if you've got 100 plus pieces of content <laughs> that's a best um x um list of 10 things in 2021 and you just want to change them all to 2022 <laughs> are, are there any content tools out there that you've used in the past that can automatically do that or is that a manual task i know that there's there's like find and replace plugins for um for wordpress and other cmss so i guess ones like that will will work quite easily um and then we we've just been looking at some ai tools to see if they can help do that or you know if we've had a couple of instances where search intent has changed and for instance you know it used to be system now it's software that's very mm. much the term and you want to work through and change that on mass um so if, if anybody's found one, definitely let me know. <laughs> Are you using AI to generate articles now or not quite yet? We're not. We're still um, very much human on the content. We're testing using AI to come up with titles and to come up with um, the research behind some of the titles to see if that works. I li literally started it yesterday, so I don't have results yet on it, but I'm really, I'm really keen to see. Um, what's going to happen with that particularly with um, I'm testing on some affiliate sites that I have to, to, to see how that works on it. Affiliate sites, sites that aren't quite so important as client sites maybe. Yeah they're my test ground. I always <laughs> use the affiliate sites for testing new things out and see what happens and then you know, if it works, we can talk to some clients about it. Well, hopefully we can get you to share the results in a future episode. That, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> well, Yeah, only if they're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been your host, David Payne. You can find Laura Hogan over at sweetdigital.co.uk. Laura, thanks so much for appearing on the In Search SEO podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com. <laughs>